Okay, so here we go. Uh, for uh, answering the first question, keep in mind we're going to answer a whole series of questions in this message series, but today we start with answering the first of uh, the God questions. And uh, the question today is, is God real? And you got to answer that question first, because if you don't answer that question first, all the other questions really don't mean much, right? Is the Bible true and all that doesn't mean much if you don't answer the first question, uh, just is God real? Let me give you the Bible's quick answer. It comes from Psalm uh, 19. It's the answer that King David gives to the question. And keep in mind, King David was no slouch. This was a pretty intelligent guy. It comes around 1000 B.C. Uh, remember, David was a victorious general. Uh, he was a great king. He moved the country from the Stone Age to the Bronze Age. Uh, yeah, he had his faults and he had his weaknesses, but he did some pretty incredible things and showed some great wisdom in his day. And uh, here's what, what uh, King David says in Psalm 19. If you read the whole psalm, it's just a hymn. It goes on and on in the same vein. He says in Psalm 19:1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Does God exist? What's David's answer? Just look around. That's his answer. In great wisdom, he says, look, if you're going to ask the question, does God exist, all you need to do is just slow down Take some time and look around. He says, built into the world, there are all kinds of pointers, all kinds of fingers that point you in the direction of the answer to that question, does God exist? And it's incredible wisdom that it's built into creation. The answer itself is built into creation so you can't miss it because periodically we all wonder. We all wonder. If you're filling in the lights today, it would be everybody wonders about God from time to time. Time to time. It is the nature of faith. The answer is built into creation because we, in our own human weakness, as we wander through our days and our nights, find ourselves periodically questioning and doubting and wondering. Are you really there? Do you really exist? Because ultimately the answer to the question is a faith answer. The answer is one that is answered with the eyes that look around and see the world and then answer it with faith. But then again, that shouldn't be so hard for us. We do lots of things on faith. When you came in the room this morning, you came in the room, you found that chair you wanted to sit in, then what did you do? Is sat down, right? Catch his eyes faith right there? Absolutely. You exercised faith that whatever chair you chose to sit in was going to be strong enough to sustain you. Correct? You didn't stop. You didn't pick the chair up. You didn't turn it upside down and kind of check those legs on it a little bit, make sure all the glue was in place. You didn't kind of move it around and stomp it on the ground just make sure it was firm and sturdy. You just walked in, looked at the chair and said, parking it right there. And you sat down in faith that the chair would sustain you. We do that all the time in our days. We do all kinds of faith steps all the time. You accept a job. You accept a job with faith that the company 
company is going to be around and be able to provide for you. When you get up in the morning and you go out and start greeting the day and you breathe in that great new fresh morning air, you're taking a faith step because you took the step to get up in the morning that air was going to be around you for you to breathe. Because it was there yesterday, you believed it was going to be there today. Everyone wonders about God from time to time. It is the nature of faith. Hebrews 11 says, What is faith? It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. The answer to this question will involve our reason, but ultimately it will engage our faith. Does God exist? King David says, Look at all of the pointers out there in the world that point you to the reality of God's existence. You'll do reasoning and you'll look at some facts and you'll use your prior experience and ultimately you will answer the question one way or another around just simple faith. What's interesting is God sets it up that way. He sets it up so that there are pointers out there woven into creation that point us to this answer. And so David says, just look at the stars. Not the ones in Hollywood. Look at the stars out there in the sky. The heavens declare God. They tell you that God is real and exists. Well, let's get deeper into it. If we're going to answer this question, does God exist? We have to start with some simple realities. Uh, For instance, When it comes to answering the question, is God real, does God exist, you have to deal with the starting point of the reality that stuff exists, right? Beyond just does God exist, the reality that we can start with is the existence of stuff. Would you all agree that stuff exists? I mean, like the universe, the planet, the world, all the stuff that fills our day. Would you all agree that there's stuff that exists? Yeah, you shake your head, hopefully, yes, right? You're nervous to say, yes, pastor's <laughs> But it does, right? The stuff exists, all right? So if stuff exists, now you have to explain how you get all the stuff. Where did all the stuff of the universe come from? If the stuff exists and the stuff is real, then you're left with the question, well, where does it come from? The Bible's answer again in 19.1 is, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The Bible's answer is, well, it's because God exists. And God formed it, fashioned it, made it, and it's extremely interwoven. And, well, it exists because God, God made it. We start with a question. we got all this stuff. So where does this stuff come from? Because of the simple principle of the nature of cause and effect. That for every effect, there has to be a cause. For everything, there has to be something that caused it. For instance, my watch. Keep watch, but somebody made it. It exists. Now, I don't know how it works inside. I know there's a bunch of gears and mechanisms and a battery I have to replace every once in a while. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on inside it. And somebody, somewhere, sometimes sat down and made all those gears and all those things that go in there, the springs and whatever else might be in there. They sat down and they designed it, they made it, they put it all together, intimately woven together. And the only thing I know is that 
put a good battery in there. When I look at it, that little hand just keeps moving and telling me what time it is. Do I understand completely how it works? Nope. Don't understand completely how it works. I only know it's stuff, it exists, and it tells me it works. If stuff exists, then we have to look at the stuff and see, well, how does it work and how does it point us to the reality that something beyond us created it. In the scientific world, probably the most dominant theory out there is something called the Big Bang Theory. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to try to explain the whole deal to you, but you know, it's the whole theory about the Big Bang in the cosmos, and, and so everything split off, and then as a result of this bang, everything was formed in that instance. And so this morning, this morning you've got to sit back and say, well, if you're going to buy into the scientific stuff and reasoning, well, let's work through that a little bit. How does that work? For instance, watch the screen for a minute and think about the relative possibility, for instance, of the Big Bang Theory of this big explosion in the universe and the creation of the universe by virtue of this giant explosion. Let's walk. It is incredible. 
It also becomes a problem for us because all of that Big Bang Theory stuff flies in the face of the second law of thermodynamics. Anybody know the second law of thermodynamics? Good, I had to look it up too. It is left to itself, everything moves from order to disorder. See, the example of the law of thermodynamics is if you have a teenager and on Saturday you make them clean their room, what happens by Monday? The Big Bang Theory, exactly. That's what happens. The explosion happens in the room and the second law of thermodynamics takes place, right? Yeah, it's just the order of things. It's, it's, it's the way it's the way it's set up. But the Big Bang Theory goes the other way. It goes from disorder, boom, to this incredible order and intricate nature of creation. So the Big Bang Theory falls in the face of the second law of thermodynamics. And if you calculate all of this out and you try to put it into some kind of odds, you need to listen to some guy named Roger Penrose. A uh, notable guy who was a uh, major player in the development of the whole black hole theory, which is way beyond my ability. But he says, he estimates that the odds for our universe being created in this 1,043rd of a second in this way are like in the uh, 10 billionth to the 30th power. That would look like this. Anybody read that number? That the odds are 1 in that number. Are you still with me on your reason side? If you follow it even further and you look at the intimate nature of creation, you would have to understand how intimately and significantly creation is woven together. And that's the second point. Number one point is you've got to look at the stuff, but then you've got to look at the nature of the stuff. So once you look at the, how the, the existence of stuff and explain how it came into being, was it all this Big Bang Theory or just what the heavens proclaim God did it, you've got to look at the nature of the stuff and how it is and it exists. So for instance, Romans 1, Paul says, From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. If you look at the stuff, and you look at how it is created, it is amazing how our world is interwoven together. Everything in the universe, every part of creation, is contingent. It is contingent on something else. Look at trees. Beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful trees out there. If you take air away from trees, guess what? They die. They need air in order to exist. If you take water away from trees, as we all know, what happens? They die. Why? They're dependent. They need, they're contingent, their existence is contingent upon air and water. If they don't get it, they don't exist. And it's that way in all of creation. That all of creation is so intimately and intricately woven together that they are dependent. There is this relationship of dependence woven into the universe. And you say, how did that happen? For instance,
distance. Some scientists have identified there are 75 different finely tuned aspects to the creation of our world. And that every one of these 75 are absolutely essential for life to exist. That if any one of the 75, and I won't read you the whole 75, I'll just read a few. If any one of the 75 would get out of kilter, out of sync, we would die. So for instance, uh, if the earth were one degree closer to the sun, guess what would happen to us? Bacon and eggs. We would fry. If the earth were just one degree closer to the sun, if the earth were one degree further away from the sun, guess what would happen? Lollipops. We would freeze. That'd be it. One degree. If the moon was any closer, or if the moon was any larger, the tides around the world would destroy our coastlines. If uh, the moon were any smaller, or if the moon were any further away, the oceans would die because they wouldn't have enough movement for their own nutrition. Isn't that incredible? You can if our distance from Jupiter were any greater, then asteroids and comets would continually hit the Earth. If we were any closer to Jupiter, our orbit would become unstable. If the surface gravity in our world, if gravity, the force of gravity was any stronger, the Earth would retain too much ammonia and methane. If the gravity were any weaker than the Earth's atmosphere would lose too much water. And we would die. If the magnetic field that exists in our created world were any stronger, electromagnetic storms would occur and that would destroy us. If it were any weaker, the ozone shield could not protect us from stellar and solar radiation. Isn't that incredible? If the Earth's crust were any thicker, it would absorb too much of our oxygen. If the Earth's crust were any thinner, then volcanic activity would make life impossible on the Earth. If the polarity of the water molecule, anybody looked at one of those lately? I mean, how intricate are we getting here? If the polarity of the water molecule were any greater, vaporization would be too great for life. If it were any smaller, ice would not float. Ice would then just simply build up, and the planet would freeze, and we would be done. Even the tilt of the Earth's axis is critical to maintaining our temperature. If that axis is out one way or another, we would be done. Can you see in the universe, just with your reasoning, how absolutely intricately it is all woven together and how contingent and dependent it is upon each other. So then you say, if all that exists is dependent, fragile, and temporary, you have to ask who or what is responsible for all these dependent objects. It has to be something or someone who is independent. It has to be something or someone who is eternal, who is unlimited, who is all-powerful, who is not dependent, but independent. 
when you look around and you see the created order, when you see all the stuff that exists, and you see how that stuff is so intimately woven together and intricately dependent one upon another, you have to step back and say, wow, only someone incredible could do such a thing as this. Paul would say in Romans 1, For since the creation of the world's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Paul's saying all you have to do, like David, is look around and see the way the world is created to understand there is a God who is greater and more powerful and eternal to put everything in order. Think about a simple thing like a banana. Think about a simple thing like a banana. Here's a banana. It has a wonderful protective coating on it. Protects it. Yeah, sure, it bruises once in a while, but it's there and it protects the banana. It's got a great pull tab top. You know, rip that puppy right off and it's open. It's got seams that allow you to open the banana with ease. I mean, think about that. Isn't that incredible? It's got seams built into it, so you can just kind of open it up relatively easily and get to the nutritional fruit that's inside of it. And when it's all done, and when you've eaten all the fruit, and you're left with a banana peel, the banana peel is biodegradable. It decays and it contributes to the life of, of another part of the creation. A banana is an incredible thought who could come up with it? But an incredible, powerful, loving God. When you look at the stuff, and when you look at the codependence of the stuff, you're left asking who could do such an incredible thing. And then you turn your attention and you look at yourself. Number three, you look at yourself and you see that you also are made in the same kind of incredible way that built into you, for instance, is a sense of what's right and what's wrong. That cultures that have never experienced God the way we have, never experienced God the way we have, yet when you find those cultures out there in the deepest parts of the jungle, they still have rules around them about what's right and about what's wrong. And there's always a desire for something greater than themselves. It is woven and built into us as well. Paul says to the Romans, even when Gentiles who do not have God's written law instinctively follow what the law says, they show that in their hearts they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them, for their own conscience either accuses them or tells them they are doing what is right. Even we are incredibly created. Even we are in that relationship of dependence with something bigger and more wonderful and greater than we are. Paul says to the Romans, when outsiders who have never heard God's law follow it more or less by instinct, 
They confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes or no, right or wrong. Starting with David, David would say, just look around you, look at the heavens, and you can see and understand that God exists. It's written all over creation. And if we use our reason and we go through the whole understanding of codependence and understanding cause and effect, we're left in the same place that there's got to be something greater and more wonderful than us who's done such a magnificent thing. And when we look to ourselves, it is hard for us to not understand that God is real. And he has woven things even into our nature that bring us to seek him and hear him from him. So, the question of the day. Does God exist? David would tell you. Paul would tell you. And I'll tell you. I can't imagine life without God. I can't imagine taking a breath without knowledge that there is a God who loves me so incredibly that he would send his son Jesus Christ to make my life full, rich, and complete. Does God exist? For me, absolutely. Every single day and every single moment. Does God exist? Does he exist for you? God exists and wants you to know that he's real. To the point that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to walk in this earth and to teach you how to live life. He would not only exist, but he would get involved in this world and involved in each of our lives so that we can discover how to live in life. If you're in a place in your life where you're wondering and you're asking, does God really exist? Then look around. Look around and just see how incredible this creation is. Spend some time with us over these weeks. Come to small groups this week and be with other people who know the answer to that question without doubt. And you'll discover the incredible possibilities God has for your life and the creation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and uh, we know you exist and we know that uh, you have great dreams and purposes in each of our lives. We look at the world and how creation is woven together and we understand that you're in every detail. We just pray today that you would uh, just continue to guide us on this path, that our questions might be answered and that we might see the truth, not only written across the sky,